What's up? It's Tyler. I'm back here with Jay Michelle. Um, we had a huge game, South Carolina versus UConn, championship game. South Carolina came on top. What a game. What a game. <laughs> that's that's the only way I can really sum it up. What a game. I know we were just talking about this before we uh, started the show, but I'm excited to get into it because, yes, what a game. <laughs> so, how did South Carolina do this? Let's start there. Man, South Carolina, I feel, I'm not going to say that they did everything right because there's always, you know, room for improvement, but right. keeping it on the positive side, I think that South Carolina really came out guns blazing. They were ladies on a mission. They knew mm-hmm. what it takes to win this game, aggressive defense, offensive execution, and really rattling what UConn wanted to do. And yep. South Carolina did that. They were clicking on all fronts and we see the result of it. And, and also another thing I would say is, you know, they came out guns blazing and they mm-hmm. didn't really let off the brake. You know, they, or I'm sorry, they didn't let off the gas. I mean, they kept mm-hmm. it going the entire time of the game. And I think UConn ran out of gas. They were not ready to play that game. I mean, I don't, I don't know what their prep or their pregame message was from Gino or whatever. But mm-hmm. UConn, they, they were not ready. They were not ready. Yeah. So uh, Destiny Anderson got her uh, career high in this game. T- tell me about how you think she played overall. Obviously, she played great to get a career high. But deep dive, her defense on Paige, on, um, on Westbrook also, and, and FUD, basically taking FUD completely out of the game. Right. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about how she played overall? I think that Destiny Henderson was the defensive game changer in this game. I mm-hmm. think that she. I want to start with where you just ended, as far as you know, taking Az Fudd out of the game. Right. Az was not hitting shots in the early going of the game, and mm-hmm. in Geno's nature, you breathe on the wrong beat. Here's the bench. Az <laughs> meet the bench. Bench meet Az, and that's kind of where she stayed for a large portion of this game. Now, going Mm -hmm. back to uh, Paige Beckers, as you pointed out, Destiny Henderson really disrupted the way that Paige Beckers wants to play the game. And the key Mm -hmm. to it is when Paige Beckers got rid of the ball, Destiny Henderson kept her from getting it back. And that was the key. The UConn Huskies could not get the ball to an open Paige Beckers because Destiny Henderson kept her completely locked down. Um, And I will say this to Paige Becker's credit, she made the adjustment in the uh, second quarter and into the latter part of the game. She recognized, okay, when I give the ball up, I'm not unable to get it back because I have this great defender in Destiny Henderson, AKA Henny on me. So Mm -hmm. what Paige did is she made that adjustment. I'm not giving the ball up, right? She created on offense by way of I'm coming down the court I'm not giving this ball up unless I have to. But I think that Destiny Henderson, going back to our question here, is she locked Paige Beckers down. She knew how to read when his picks were coming. She either went over or under, and she did not let Paige Beckers get the ball. And she did not have a lot of points in that game. And as a result, or that was a direct result of Destiny Henderson's aggressive, I'm not going to let up defense in that game. Yep, and I, I believe she was 0 for 5 when Henderson was guarding her. And then I think every other point she scored was on Beal. Um, you're completely right. 
and that comes, you know, that arises my issues with how Gino coached this game, right? I think that the clear advantage that South Carolina has is better um, front court players than UConn, right? With whether it's Boston, whether it's um, Saxton, and you know the ladies that come off the bench for them. UConn always likes to start their offense with their bigs. Their bigs pop up high, they get the ball, and the guards do some kind of movement action around them, back and forth, back and forth, try to get handoffs. And they do that every single time. And Don clearly coached South Carolina to be ready for it. They were ready for the uh, the handoffs. Like you said, Henderson was sneaking in between the handoffs, wasn't let, making the handoffs easy. Um, the other thing is when the UConn, when Adota and Edwards were clogging the paint, South Carolina did not let anybody drive at all. Right, right. And the thing is, if you can't drive, you can't get a good pick and roll. It's hard to get open for guards. And Williams and um, Fudd had such difficulty getting anything, any clean shots, uh, any even clean looks. And um, we see how that reflected in the score. Page is great. Page is going to be great no matter what. You know, 14 points. Obviously, people were expecting fireworks, 20, 25 points, but part of Paige's game is how well the rest of the team plays. So when you don't have to guard the other, you know, players on the court, it was a lot easier to, to contain Paige because they were forcing her into spots where they could double team her and, you know, forcing the ball out of her hands and then no one else was making a play. So. Right. Right. And, I, and another thing I want to talk about uh, to your point there is other players were really were not stepping up again. And she, I mean, I, I saw limited movement on offense. So if Paige either, if, if Paige has the ball and she's being locked down and she's looking for somebody to pass to her other team members are not being active enough to get open to, you know, be a pass option for her. Another right. piece to that is if she doesn't have the ball, right. She's like in lockdownville, right. She can't mm-hmm. get the ball. And so the other players really, did not fill that gap. You know, we got to talk about Kristen Williams, their senior guard. She did not score until the latter part of the second half. And she is a critical part of the UConn Husky offense aside from Paige and as uh, AZ, right? Mm-hmm. Kristen Williams is a monster hitting outside shots, creating off the dribble. She yeah. was a non-factor in this game. And one other piece with UConn that I think helps them or help, you know, cause their demise against South Carolina is the absence of a post presence, right? right. Um, Nelson Adota, she's not physically strong to strong enough to compete and bang all night long with the Leah Boston, right? With um, Cordozo and all the others, right? Victoria Saxon from South Carolina. And really mm-hmm. Nelson Adota kind of like faded in this game. I mean, she just catch the ball, she'll set a screen or she'll catch the ball and dish out to somebody, but she was not looking to take over in this game. And so um, I, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing UConn because I will say that they did the best they can with the card that they were dealt in this game, right? Paige Becker, she didn't give up. She kept fighting. She kept trying to do what she could, right? Evina Westbrook, she hit a few key shots when they really needed it and kind of, you know, fueled a little run that they went on. So, like I said, they, they did the best they could. But at the end of the day, South Carolina was determined. They showed up strong and they get the victory to claim the national championship. To your point about Nelson Adota, 
she only took two shots in this game. I mean, that's that's unacceptable for one of your better your post player, you know, in a game like this where you need a post presence. She only took just took two shots, not made, took two shots. Right. And and, and one thing back to my point earlier, she usually starts the ball at the top of the key. The bigs come up and they run like a horns kind of thing or um, or a pick and roll there. She they never even let her get into the paint when she wanted to come to the paint. The South Carolina girls were pushing her out. You know, they were um, they weren't making the entry pass possible to her. So that pretty much takes her out of the game. She wasn't getting any rebounds. They uh, they got out rebounded by twenty five, twenty five. So, I mean, (laughs) And, and Gino said it, right? I believe it was either right before or it might have been at the halftime uh, interview. He mm-hmm. said, right, we got to clean up our rebounds, right? In the previous game that they played against Stanford, they dominated on the offensive and defensive boards. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that in this game against South Carolina, and that is one of the keys that will help us turn this thing around. And he said, these are his words, if we don't, it's going to get a lot worse in this game. And so, like, you just, you know, going off of what you just said, that those rebounds – or the lack of them rebounding really was an impact in this game for them. And and one problem I've had all season with UConn, especially with Gino, and not to Gino bash again, but Paige's points, none of her points in this game were scored within the play. Like they weren't an option on a play. Right. Paige just had to go get all her baskets by herself. And throughout the whole season, Paige has never been – really the focus of their offense, seeing that she can score 30 probably any game that she really needs to, at least, you know, for UConn, if they give her the ball enough, she can score as many points as they need her to score. But for some reason, he's had her on the outside of their offense, their main offense, the whole season. And then, th- and then when you need it in this game, there was no action to get Paige open. There wasn't, you know... It, Destiny was locking Paige down and not letting her get the ball back, but there never has been an action where it's all right. We're getting a shot for Paige on this possession. It's just you know Paige passes it and she moves into the offense in like a motion offense. So the game where they actually needed to get her open, needed to play for maybe a double screen to get her open, it, they don't have it in their offense. Right. And that is a tremendous point because you have a super talented player on your team, like a Paige Beckers. You got to have a whole repertoire of plays and options to get this person the ball. And like to your point, you said it so well, Tyler. They don't know what to do in this situation because this is not a play that we know. It's not a play that at least we can't really say they don't have a play, but we haven't seen it. And so to end this moment at this high stakes moment in the national championship to try to create this on the fly now is not the time. Right. Right. And I think that is again, another point to Paige Becker's credit uh, to, you know, speaking to her skill set is this play doesn't exist. I recognize the moment I have to step up and create something. And she did not back down from the moment. She kept trying, she kept pushing and as yeah. you said, all the shots that she made were not an option from their offense. That was Paige Beckers stepping up and being the superstar that she is. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think there is much more I could have asked from Paige, just Paige specifically. 
I think right. she played she played her heart out. She left it all on the on the court. She couldn't get much assists because no one was scoring. She had she led the team in rebounds from the point guard spot. Right. So I mean, it, she did everything she could. I think the rest of the team see they almost looked immature, even though they're not. They looked like a young team playing against a well seasoned, well prepared team, and you know the, we got the outcome we got. Yeah, South Carolina right. looked looked fantastic. Um, Boston Player of the Year. She scored basically anytime she wanted to. Really, she, her percentage wasn't that great, but when she needed a basket, she either got fouled or she got a good look. Sixteen rebounds. I mean. Nothing else you can say about that. Yeah, nothing else to say, but I'm going to add this. I'm going to take it to, right, hey, the buzzer goes off, South Carolina wins. Aaliyah Boston, as you just brought her up, is speaking with Holly Rowe, and she said flat out, and I loved it, with such confidence and such just whatever, you know, like, look, y'all motivated me, y'all being the media. For the last 12 months, you kept playing the clip of me crying because I missed what could have been the game-winning bucket last year in that game against Stanford. Now, delete that footage. Use the footage right now of me crying for joy as the national champion. And, you know, Aaliyah Boston is just such a class act. You know, of course, we know that she is dominant, and she's maybe one of the best that have ever played in the NCAA as far as women go, at least yeah. in this, you know, current era. I'll, I'll leave it there because there could be some others that maybe could rival her, but we'll just keep it within these last – you know, three years that she's been in South Carolina. There's nobody yeah. who can stop Aaliyah Boston, nobody better than Aaliyah Boston. And I'll go on record saying that, but such a class act. I mean, really just carried this team every step of the season and even bigger in this national championship game. And for her to not only have the double-double record, right, but mm -hmm. she's really a team player. Like, yeah, that's what I accomplished on paper, but let me bring it back to my team, right? We're well coached. We have great chemistry on the floor, and this is a team win. And I just can't say enough about the great young lady and classy young lady that Aaliyah Boston is. Yep, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So congratulations to South Carolina Gamecocks, Don Staley. Just great, great, great win. Great coaching in this game. Um, they came ready to play, and they got it done. Yes, they did. Yes, yes. So, speaking of Leah Boston, we have the draft coming up. We have uh, some amazing prospects this year. Um, so, tell me, tell me a little bit. I saw you posted your uh, top five projected picks, right? Yes. Tell us and more. The WNBA draft, first of all, you guys be sure to check it out. It's going to be next uh, week coming up here, April 11th, I believe it is, next Monday. Uh, 7 p.m. on ESPN. So check it out. It's live. I just got the uh, push notification. It's going to be back in person this year for the first time since 2019. So I'm excited to see what new uh, flares and new just kind of swag that they bring right to their first in-person draft in the last couple of years. And so we have a lot of good prospects, Tyler, as you just said. I mean, who is going to be the number one pick? And I should have put my Mystic jersey on today for this, but nonetheless, the Washington Mystics have the number one pick, right? Mm -hmm. And the big question that everybody is asking, and we'll soon have the answer to, will they pick Melissa Smith from Baylor or will mm -hmm. they pick Ryan Howard from the University of Kentucky? And, right. you know, we have a lot of other – the thing that I want to say about this is, like, the draft prospects get better and better 
every Absolutely. year. And the fact that there's even still a debate, right? Is it going to be this person? Is it going to be that person? And really what I think it comes down to is, do they go with the best player or do, like I should say, the best overall player? Or do they select the player that's the best fit for their franchise? And I hope that they pick the player that's best for their franchise. Now, yeah, I have who I want them to pick, and that's Nalissa Smith from Baylor. I think that, again, considering all that the Mystics have on their team, Mm -hmm. Nalissa Smith is the perfect fit as far as what's, quote, missing from the Mystics' capability. Now, people may think I'm crazy. The Mystics won the championship back in 2019. I think mm-hmm. that with all that they currently have and the, the players from that championship team that have now returned to that mm-hmm. Mystics roster, I think they're, in my opinion, a preseason favorite to, hmm, maybe they might make another championship run. And you yeah, add a Melissa Smith, absolutely, you add an Alyssa Smith to that, your chances just get better. And I also will say this about Ryan Howard, going back to the fit of her skill set in the team. So the Mystics have the number one pick. The Indiana Mm -hmm. Fever have the second overall pick. I want the Indiana Fever to pick Ryan Howard. That franchise is struggling. And they they, they recognize that, right? They've made changes in the front office. They're great and well, greatly and well coached by Mary Ann Stanley. They're putting a group of ladies together that's really going to transform and revive this franchise. And I would love to see a young budding star as Ryan, you know, and, and Ryan Howard to be a part of that. I think that she really is a missing piece for that Indiana Fever team. And so that's my first and second pick. And now we've got people like Shakira Austin from Ole Miss. Perhaps mm-hmm. the Atlanta Dream will use their third pick to select her. We also have, I believe her name is uh, pronounced Niara Sabali. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Satu Sabali's younger sister coming out of Oregon. I think that she's a great fit, you know, for these teams as well. I also think, you know, we got to talk about, you know, uh, Kanane from NC State. I think her game fits well with the New York Liberty, right, who have the fifth pick. And so that's just a quick rundown of my kind of top picks. So mm-hmm. we'll see what all goes down in just a few short days. So from the tournament, which prospects do you think really uh, made a name for themselves, you know, throughout the tournament this year? And here's the interesting thing. A lot of people, this is what has been said as well. And I, I agree that, you know, people ask the question, right? Does the fact that, you know, Ryan Howard's Kentucky team goes out so early, does that impact, you know, her stock in the draft? Melissa mm-hmm. Smith, her team goes out earlier than we expected, right? They made a good dent in the tournament, right? right. NC State, right? They went all the way, right, to the Elite Eight. And mm-hmm. my personal opinion is March Madness is such an anomaly, Right. And it's really anybody's game on any given night. I personally don't think that the way that your team performs well or not so much in March Madness really should not impact your draft stock, in my opinion. My thing is, let's stick with what we saw these players do, right, over the the journey, right, of their collegiate career. To me, that is what I'm looking at. So – I don't feel that anybody's stock necessarily plummets, right, because of what their team does or doesn't uh, achieve in March Madness. But I think that it kind of just showcases, I think there's still something to be said, right? Are you you and can you step up in the big moments? Mm -hmm. However, going into the WNBA as a rookie, 
not every rookie is in a position to be the superstar on their team. So I'm right. looking, you know, let's zoom out and look at, hey, what do you have the potential to contribute to this current team that you're going to be joining in this current upcoming season and also in the years that will remain right on your rookie contract. So that's just my perspective. Right. Yeah. And I, I agree. I don't think there's anything in the tournaments that you can do necessarily to negatively affect your stock. But I do think I th- do think a good performance kind of gives teams a little more confidence that you're coming in like on a hot streak kind of thing. Absolutely. No, I, and and if I can go back to last year, right, I think Ari McDonald, right, is one that falls in that category. Yeah, absolutely. If she didn't show out the way that she did in March Madness, would she have been such a high pit in the WNBA no, draft? I think the answer not. to that, I agree with you. I think the answer is no, because many people probably either didn't know who she was or didn't know right. that she had that crazy takeover capability. And yeah, so I think yeah. she is one that certainly benefited from oh, snap, we got to look at this young lady, right? And so maybe Mm -hmm. if she was going to be picked either in the second round or the latter part of the first, well, heck, now she's the third pick, right? So I think that is definitely an example of your stock being boosted as a result of a show-stopping performance, you know, in the March Madness tournament. Right. And I, you know, unfortunately, I didn't see many of those this year, I don't think. Uh, But I, I do think some definitely had to you know put a big big stamp on their name right um, and there's one young lady forgive me i can't remember her name but from fgcu i'm now seeing her name on the draft prospect list i don't know if she was considered prior to again that's just a small mid-major school that people may or may not really have on their radar yeah. Right. And you really just amplified your skill set in the tournament. Yeah. You know, they beat Virginia Tech. They fell in that next round. But mm-hmm. she's another one that I think has crept up on the draft prospect list as a result of her performance towards the end of the regular season and then going into March Madness. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. OK. OK. Um, any other points you want to make? Man, that's all I have. I'm just excited. I mean, I think that women's college basketball, you know, for those who are just arriving to the party, you know, hey, welcome to the family because you had a really good, you know, experience or introduction, right, coming off of the regular season, going into, you know, the March Madness. We've got South Carolina as the new national champion, which I got to put this out there. I'm super, super excited about. I know I didn't think they would get here because of various factors, but they yeah. did, and not only did they arrive, but they arrived in stellar fashion and ended yeah. the season with that win. And now we get to see in just a few short days, right, where these WNBA prospects or WNBA hopefuls, right, will they get drafted? And if so, you know, where will they fall? So it's going to be exciting. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what's going to come of this. Real quick, from the championship game, how many WNBA uh like, what do you think about the WNBA prospects from this particular game? I think Nelson Adota is a senior, I believe, right? I I can't Westbrook. remember if she's a junior or a senior, but I do know, um, starting with UConn, Kristen Williams, she's a senior, and she's on the draft prospect list. Yes. And Aaliyah Boston, she's a junior, so we'll talk about her, you know, as far as next year's draft goes. Yeah. But on South Carolina, um, senior Destiny Henderson, Right. And I did. It's interesting that I saw that she was projected, you know, a, a pick in the latter 
uh, to be picked in the latter part of the first round on mm -hmm. the latest prospect list. I don't see her on there. But now, you know, having showed out the way she did in March Madness, will she find her way back? And so she's one on there as well. Um, yeah. And think, also uh, Victoria Westbrook. Saxton from South Carolina. She's a senior oh, as well. So we'll see. Does yeah. she declare for the draft and is she selected? And let me think, there's one more. Um, Lily Grissett on Lili, South Carolina yeah. as well. Yeah, I don't know if she um, is or will declare for the draft. And if so, if, you know, if she does, you know, we'll, we'll see where she falls as well. So it's going to be. She could have got a little more playing time. In the, yeah, uh, I think so too. Game. But one thing I will say is she plays her role very well, you know, as a senior, as a, you know, fifth year senior, she yep. comes in and it really throughout her whole time at South Carolina. I mean, she comes in, she plays her role, right? She gets key rebounds. She's aggressive on defense, right? And she really helps to facilitate, or I should say, restart their offense, right? By getting those key offensive rebounds, getting it back out to a guard. And here we go again to make another attempt. So, you know, she's a player that I think really takes pride in the role that she has. And, you know, you can see that in the way that she plays on the court. Yeah. Um, one question uh, I've wondered for a long time is Avina Westbrook. What kind of player do you see her as her being in the WNBA? What kind of player do you see her as? That's a really good question. And someone that comes to my mind who's currently in the WNBA that I could see Avina Westbrook following in her footsteps is mm -hmm. Alicia Clark. Mm -hmm. She kind of is that combo guard, right? That can come in. She can play great defense. You know, she now Alicia Clark is a starter, but going back to Avina Westbrook, I could see her even coming off of the bench, right? To give a breather to somebody like Alicia Clark that can hit those outside jump shots. She's a disruptor on defense. So that's kind of where I see um, Evina Westbrook coming in. Now, the trick for her, I think, is what team she'll land on. I right. think that will determine how well she's used and how mm -hmm. quickly and how well that she's able to develop. But if she goes on a team that's full of people right there stacked and she just kind of sits on the bench, that's where I kind of get worried. And so I think that she can kind of fill the shoes of like an Alicia Clark but the team has to be a good fit and they got to use her and develop and groom her in the right way to really see her blossom into the full potential that I think she has. You're right. She's someone that she, the more playing time she gets, the more impact she can have. Right. She's not an instant impact person that, you know, I, I think some of these, uh, you know, some of the other women are, but I do think she's someone, if you give her out there, put her out there for 20 minutes, she's going to give you a huge, huge impact. Absolutely. And it, I mean, like I said, she's a, you know, I think she's a, a strong jump shooter. So once mm -hmm. she starts to see that first, you know, shot or two, three shots go in, it just increases, right, her morale and her intensity. I think that her play in all areas of the game just improved from there. But like you said, the key is allowing her the, you know, the playing time to get into that group. But just sitting on the bench watching the game is not the same. Right. That, that's one more thing, one more point about the game. UConn did not have like a defensive lineup to start the game at all. Right. They went with a very aggressive scoring lineup as if they were going to get a lot of shots. They, they didn't play an inside out game at all. And, and you know, it, it shows in the, in the score. Cause I think Westbrook and mule who are, in my opinion, their two best defenders. They, they really didn't get that much playing time and right. really until the second half where he felt like they need, needed them. And that's when they went on the run when they could have 
you know, maybe started that way because, you know, maybe Foot is she's young, she's a freshman. Maybe she just wasn't ready for this type of game. Right. And also, again, like what you just said, right, she is a freshman. So I'm not, you know, saying that, oh, she's terrible. No, I think she's a fabulous player. But I think it's the environment that she's playing in and the coach that she's playing for. Right. If, <laughs> if AZ went to any other school, she'd be a starter and she probably would have broke many records as a freshman. Right. But considering where she is. Right. And I think that, again, the other players that came in to really start to fill that gap and allow them to make a run are players that she can learn from. Right. And I bet you when she comes back to this moment, having tasted it, right, having played a few minutes in the game herself and really being able to sit back and watch what the more experienced older players are doing does nothing but help her. So when she gets to this moment again, I bet you she'll be ready or even more ready and prepared than than we saw her be just a few days ago in that game. Yep. Okay, well, that's a wrap for us. Um, thanks for joining me again. Uh, I will see you again, I guess, sometime. We'll figure out another time and bring you in. Uh, always good having you. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you uh, had me on. This was fun. And like I said, we can ready to gear up on Hoop Love. So follow me on Instagram at underscore Hoop Love VA. Draft specials coming up. The season is, you know, shortly behind that. And so I'm excited to get back to it. And I'm glad to have been here. And it was a very fun time. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, See us on socials and keep listening to the No Clue podcast. We're here every week. Yeah.